0: The is volume 18, the second Sikha for Matais. As an introduction, we all know that in order for one to be able to use a pot, a pan, or any whatsoever uh, kli, any whatsoever dish that one uses for a meal that comes in direct contact with the food, one needs to first, when you buy it from a guy, from a non-Jew, even if it was perfectly clean even if it was never used, one needs to immerse it in a mikvah. Of course, if it was once used before, then you need to also kosher it. You need to do hagalah, which is either in boiling water or if it's something that was used in more intense heat, like an oven or something, then you have to actually burn it, you know, until you can burn out the non-kosher uh, substance that's there. Now, in this sikha, we're actually going to learn to appreciate the... Essence the idea of this halacha for why one needs to um, Immerse kalim even new kalim in a mikvah prior to being able to use it. I would suggest To review the pasuk in our parsha, which speaks about this exact mitzvah the mitzvah of a these two mitzvahs actually the mitzvah of the obligation that is of Kashering kalim if they came in contact with non-kosher food if they were used for non-kosher food either in cooking or warm or hot, and the need the obligation to immerse them uh, in a mikveh prior to their usage. So I would suggest that you review uh, pasuk Chav Gimel, that's verse twenty three in chapter thirty one in this week's parsha. I just go through it quickly over there. After it says quote everything that came in fire, meaning that was used in fire, you should pass through fire. That means you have to cleanse it by passing through the fire. However, it has to be put into, it has to be immersed in a mikvah in order to become purified. But anything that, isn't, that hasn't gone through fire, meaning it hasn't been used as a cooking uh, utensil, you should still pass it through water. That's I'm, almost verbatim the words of the of the Pasek. So, the, the this sicha, Actually, focuses in, begins with a question in the Ramban. The Ramban, Nachmanaris, that is, who explains the Rashi on this Pasuk, and he asks a very interesting question. And it's, I would say, it's not Mamish, it's not exactly a Rashi Sicha per se. However, we will get a better understanding and appreciation of Rashi, and also come to learn yet another rule in Rashi's style, in Rashi's approach. To explaining the passage so let's go into it in our in our Parsha after the war with Midian if you remember this was a war of revenge for what Midian had brought at cost to the Jewish people and they come back to Moshe with all the spoils of war so Moshe commands them that hey everything that you're going to bring home to your homes now to use for your own meals or for preparation of meals you should know that if they were ever used, they went to put quote on the fire, then you need to do hag Hagalah is again, you have to cleanse it, you have to kasher it by the same means that it was used, either in boiling water or in direct fire and so on. And then he tells him that all utensils that are used for a meal, even the ones that you don't use for cooking, you need to immerse them in water. Now the Ramban asks a very interesting question in discussing this Rashi. And he says, one second, why is this matter being brought up now, here, after the war of Midian? We know, if you look several parashies ago, we had another war, actually two wars. We had the war with Sichon and the war with Aik, And we conquered their lands and took all the spoils of war and divided them up amongst the people. So why over there were they not commanded to kosher to cleanse these utensils that they brought home, and obviously they're going to use it, they weren't just going to throw them away. Why over there didn't the Torah tell them anything, and only here does it make a big deal out of it? So the Ramban explains that because the territory of sichoin and Oik is actually considered part of Eretz Yisrael, it became incorporated in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore there was no issue of Kashrus. You see, the Gemara in Chulin. In Shraktek, and the Gemara discusses over there, and it tells us that for the seven years that it took them to conquer Eretz Yisrael, and this is actually implied from the POSIT, you can look it up on, on page 17, for the seven years that they were busy conquering Eretz Yisrael, they were allowed to eat even, quote, cuts of pigs, literally. They were allowed to eat trefus, whatever they found there, they were allowed to eat. They did not have to bother or busy themselves with looking for kosher food or uh, securing kosher food. Whatever they came to their way, they were able to eat and therefore if eating the food itself non-kosher was a non-issue, then certainly the kalim, the utensils that are used for it is certainly a non-issue. And therefore there was no problem, says the Ramban. But over here, when it comes to this war, the war with Mijan, This was not a matter of conquering their land. In fact, they didn't conquer the land. They didn't take their land. It never became incorporated into Eretz Yisra. Rather, this was just a means of revenge that Hashem gave a special instruction to annihilate the Minyonim, the the people from Midian, those who caused them so much harm. And then they took the spoils, they took the loot. So therefore, over here became an issue because this exemption, of not having to keep kosher throughout the time that the conquering Israel did not apply to this. Okay, that's what the Ramban explains. However, the commentaries in the Ramban ask the following question. True that there was no matter, there was no issue with kashrus, with having to eat kosher and having to secure kosher utensils because they were allowed to eat non kosher. But the question they ask is it would seem that they still would have had to. Immerse those kalim because we know that the eat as we said in the introduction the idea of immersing Utensils that one uses for a meal that one uses in the process of cooking or in serving for a meal has nothing to do with Isur it has nothing to do with the with the the cleave with the utensil being kosher or not it has nothing to do with that because the fact is that even if you buy a brand new pot or a brand new dish from a guy that would never been used there's is no iser there you still need to need to um uh, immerse it in mikvah and you can't answer well they were allowed to have non-kosher food because this is a separate matter so the question is the rambam doesn't even seem to address it he doesn't say anything he explains the swashi asks the question gives the answer and doesn't even bother addressing this point why wouldn't he have gone into it you know in other words it's curious what is the answer why not says the Rebbe in order to understand this better will first introduce actually two more curious things in relation to this idea to this mitzvah to this halacha that is of immersing utensils the first one has to do with the sale of chametz. It has to do with Pesach we know That we sell the Chametz. Why do we sell the Chametz? Because you're not to be in possession of Chametz. So you sell it to a guy, and this sale is not hocus pocus. This sale is real. It's 100%, it belongs to the guy. And therefore, some two great halachic authorities, namely the Noida bi Yehuda and the Chassam Soifer, they suggest that a person should not sell their pots and pans and utensils to the guy should not include it in the sale of it's why because if you do then it belongs to the guy and if it belongs to the guy when it comes back to your possession they argue you would have to actually start immersing imagine what the mikvahs would look like after pesach when thousands of jews would be bringing thousands and thousands of utensils truckloads in order to start again immersing them in mikvah now that's what they suggest however the alter Rebbe, in his famous Shtar Mekiraz chametz the famous document, the sale of chametz document, which the appeared, which is covers every single issue, the entire gamut, every single detail, every single problem that could or could not come up. And it's like the most perfect sale of chametz And in fact, today it's widespread, it's used by everyone. The Al says, very matter-of-factly, that included in that, in other words, in the list of the things that you're selling to the guy, is also. The any any utensil that has chametz on it, and he doesn't mention a word. There's absolutely no discussion at all about this issue of having to immerse it. So it's quite clear from the fact that the Alter Rebbe suggests, or not only suggests, he tells you that you're selling your 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 kalim, you're selling your utensils, and then yet he doesn't say anything about about having to immerse them in a mikvah later, having to do Tvilas skalen So it's obvious that according to Al But this is a non issue. And the question is why? They have a good point in IWDsam soyfer or so it seems. I mean it did pass over to the possession, to the ownership of the Goy. So now when it comes back to your ownership, like any time you buy from a guy why do you not need to immerse it in the mikvah? That's one thing that we're going to going to by understanding this we'll get an answer to the question on the Rama So we have now really Two questions already the first one is about the ramban and the second one was about the sale of chametz and why you don't have to reimmerse those kalim now a third thing we all know that on shavuos the anniversary when we receive the torah the custom is to eat the dairy uh, dairy meal contrary to what we do on every festival that we eat only a festive meal which consists of meat why do we do it this is to commemorate the fact that on the day that the Jews received Torah, they became Jewish, and they were now obligated to eat only kosher. In other words, they became aware that they have to, and also obligated to keep kosher, but they could not slaughter any animals on that day. Why? Because even though you're allowed to slaughter animals on Yom Tov, well, we all know, and everybody agrees, that the day that we received the Torah, the day of the week was Shabbos. So there was no possible way for them to produce kosher meat on that day and obviously any meat they had prior to that they were not going to eat because now they're obligated to keep kosher So therefore they ate dairy products because okay in those days there was no issue of halavakum So it was all good any 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 milk products any cheeses any dairy products They had up to that point was fine it was hundred percent kosher You know milk is milk cheese is cheese and therefore that's what they ate and that's why we it. but the question is one minute we can ask a question They just became Jewish by receiving the Torah. It was like a conversion so to speak And that's where actually we learned the laws of conversion So they became Jewish so yesterday they weren't Jewish. So the kelim that they owned meaning even those dairy utensils that they were now using how could they possibly use it because Yesterday, or prior to Matan Torah, it belonged to, quote, a non-Jew, and now it belongs to them as a Jew. And we don't find that they should be obligated to immerse it in the mikvah. Now, you could try, perhaps, to answer, the attempt to answer this would be that, look, when they left Mitzrayim, when they left Egypt, they left with the purpose, the intention of receiving the Torah. In other words, they knew that we sinned the Torah. We know that they counted the Omer. We know that they were gearing up for this. They were preparing themselves mentally, spiritually, to receive the Torah. And it therefore it follows, and it seems obvious, that they also started to implement the general ideas of kashrus. And one of them being, of course, the primary one, not to mix milk and meat. And therefore, there was no issue of those um, dairy utensils being non-kosher. Because it's clear that they separated it, so you had meat and milk separate. The meat wasn't kosher, so now they will have to kosher those kaem. because they didn't have the ability to shecht and produce kosher meat. But milk is milk, dairy is dairy. So why, to that, for that, it wasn't an issue, it wasn't a matter as far as it being kosher. But the Rebbe asks as far as it being toivelled, as far as it, it having to be immersed, that's the question. Why did they not have to immerse it? In other words, how were they able to, to use their dairy utensils without first immersing it in a mikvah? Because it's like as if you came from a guy. So the Rebbe says, as discussed many times, although Rashi is mikra, he's exclusively the Pshat, the basic elementary understanding of the Pasik. Yet in the style, in the language, the choice of words that Rashi uses, you can find some profound insight, halachic insight and other insights, even sometimes the deeper secrets of the Torah in the words of Rashi. So if we looked, and, and especially when Rashi explains something, and then he says the Rabbi Darshu, and our Rabbi's Darshan, they derived, then this is not only adding or emphasizing something in pshutai shomikra in the pshat of the pasuk in the simple basic meaning of the pasuk of the verse but there also is hidden a treasure of insight in halacha so if we look in the Rashi here and that verse that I suggested to you in the introduction Rashi explains what this is about the you know immersing it so Rashi says according to the basic meaning the this purification is to purify it from tumas from the impurity of coming in contact with that body, because a lot of these people were killed in order to take their spoils. Moshe said to them, says Rashi, "You these utensils need giul. they need to be koshered le'taharom." Please notice the word le'taharom to purify them from isur, from the prohibition. In other words, to make them clean, to cleanse them, to purify them from any isser that they may have in them and then you need to purify it in you need to um, put it for further purification in the mikvah in order to take it out of the tumor of the impurity the, the the ritual impurity that they may be in then rashi continues and he says rabbi senu darshu, and our rabbis derived they explained that from here we see quote that also to make them kosher from the Iser, to make the, to prep them from the Iser, one also is required to do tefillah. Now the Rashi, in this Rashi it comes out that the idea of immersing it, the tefillah, that you have to immerse these utensils has to do with the Iser, with some prohibition. In other words, it has to do with the fact that there's some trefis in there. But the question is, it doesn't make sense. What is Rashi really saying? Because we all know, and this is the actual fact of the halacha, that even new utensils that have never been used, that are visibly and obviously new, and have no issue of having isur in them, there is no isur in them; it was never used. Yet they no, they must be, they must, must be uh, toible, they must be immersed in the mikvah. So the question is, what exactly is Rashi saying? What is he doing by associating this immersing in the mikvah with having iser in it? There is no iser there, or it's not inherently the reason for having to immerse uh, kalim in the mikvah. So the Rebbe says, in order to understand it, let's take a closer look at the choice of the expression, the exact expressions that Rashi uses. When it comes to taking, to extracting, the actual Easter the actual trephis from the pots. Rashi uses the expression letaharom. Letaharom means to purify them, to cleanse them. But when it comes to the immersion in the in the mikvah of the kelim, Rashi uses the expression lahachshiram to what is the word Hakshiram? What is the word kosh to make him kosher? What does it mean to make him kosher? So the Rebbe says tahara purification applies to something which is either impure or is forbidden. And you make it pure. You make it clean. You cleanse it. The word lahachshir comes from the word fit. Kosher means fit. That it's like prepping something and making it ready, making it fit for use. In other words, the accomplishment of immersing something in mikvah is not to take out some kind of entity, some foreign entity, something that is forbidden. But it's only to take that vessel and so to speak transfer it from the category of susceptibility to Esser, which means, and put it into, I'm sorry, which means that when it was by a guy, even though it wasn't actually used, it was in the box, it was in the store, but potentially, at least, the fact that it belonged to the guy, in other words, it was in his domain, it belonged to him, that means that that vessel at least potentially could have been or maybe even would have been used had it not been sold to you for isser for and it would have become absorbed with forbidden foods, forbidden non-kosher foods. However, when it goes into the ownership, it goes in now to the domain of a Jew, now it needs to be purified because now it's coming to, it's going out of that category of susceptibility to isser and it's going into the ownership of a Jew, where has now no susceptibility to Issar, it is not going to be used for something that's forbidden. And now, in other words, the rabbi emphasized, I just want to reiterate, emphasized and, and, and focused in on the word that Rashi uses it's to make it's not to make it kosher it's not to take it out of Iser literally taking out of Iser because then you would use the term means to cleanse to purify but means to prep it to make it fit to make it useful that's what it means and that's what Rashi is saying it's not literally to, to take away the Iser because there is no Iser in, especially in a brand new kli but it's to take it, make it fit for one who has no connection to Isser, from having been in the status of, or so to speak, in the domain, the general domain of susceptibility to Isser. And now we can answer the three questions. The reason why the Ramban doesn't address it is very simple, because the Ramban doesn't have to add the idea of immersing, because since according to Rashi it is associated with Iser, not actual Iser, not actual trapas, but it's associated with trapas. In other words, that's the inherent reason why we have to Teufel. So it follows that if they're allowed to eat the actual Treyfus, and allo- they don't have to kosher the Kalim, they don't have to put it through fire or through hot water, then obviously they don't have to put it in the mikveh. So it was no issue, there's no point, it's, it, it, there's no it, There's no need for the Rambam, for the Ramban, to further explain it, when he already had told us, he made the point, that they were allowed categorically to use any, to eat, to consume any Isur. So there was no reason for him to go further in this issue, because according, he's explaining the Rashi, and according to Rashi, the way we just explained, Rashi's premise is that the the idea of Immersing Caleb is because it has the association to Isra. That's it. So the matter falls away Uh, When it comes to Mechiras Chametz, the selling of the chametz, So the Rebbe says even though We know that this is an absolute sale. This is not a hocus-pocus. This is literally a sale and it literally belongs to the guy Furthermore, there are many who actually even have the custom of giving the Goya a key to the place where the with so they have direct and 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 full access, open access to the Comets and to the utensils that were sold to them in chametz. But still, practically speaking, says the Rebbe, it never happens. And it's not even a potential of it happening that the guy should actually come and touch the Caleb and use the Caleb In other words, the whole idea that Rashi said was that it has a susceptibility to Iser There's no susceptibility even here to Iser when the guy would never practically come to your home to go and use your frying pan Or to go and use your your soup pot or whatever or what have you and then when it comes to the um, issue of Shavuos with eating um with eating uh, only dairy and how they're able to use those those utensils so that again we have the answer right there because if you remember the rebbe made the point that it's certain it's obvious that even though they didn't have to keep kosher yet and they couldn't keep kosher yet because they didn't have the means of shechting and it being effectively uh, changing the meat from non-kosher to kosher but still they did behave in a kosher manner What does that mean? They separated milk and meat. Since they separated milk and meat, so their milk, their dairy utensils never were even susceptible for Iser. So therefore they never needed to be toibled in the first place. Why? Because again, Rashi's point is that the reason why you title it is not because it has actual isr but even for the cause of the fact that since it belonged to a guy and it was in the usage of the guy or at least it belonged to him it was in the domain of a guy therefore it was susceptible to isur. this was never susceptible to isur, to any prohibition and therefore it didn't need to be titled